Let's get ready to rumble. Yes, we're back. It is episode 55 of the Hibs Ramble. It's Liam here, your host for tonight. And with me, it's uh, the very handsome, the very lovely Mr. Mark Duncan. How on earth are you getting on, my friend? I'm good, mate. I'm good. It's good to be back. I've had a bit of a hiatus, so apologies. Um, I obviously was in Switzerland, had to recover from that. And then, unfortunately, I came down with a bout of COVID, which struck me down for a, a couple of weeks. So I'm back. I'm fit. Not physically fit, but I'm I'm not ill anymore. <laughs> Um, so yeah, let's go back. You're match fit. You're ready for the stag do at the weekend. I am <clears throat> ready for the stag do at the weekend. I collected my euros today, actually. Nice one. I got my euros the other day. I am very much, much looking forward to it. I am very much looking forward to it as it well. Should be good. Can't wait to drink a lot of steins. <laughs> yeah, and absolutely. Probably at least 150 fags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to Düsseldorf for my stag do at the weekend, so um, looking forward to it. But as Mark was uh, was telling me just before we came on here that they've got uh, something gruesome for me to wear, um, going 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 there. So uh, we'll be sure to update the Ramble socials with what Liam has to wear in the airport and on Saturday. Hopefully, it's not too bad. But I tell you what, I'll, I'll, if it's uh, anything to go by with what you are like, then I'm fryer tucked. <laughs> that's that's all we'll say. But listen, uh, we finally, finally, finally picked up points at the weekend. Um, we beat Aberdeen two 0 at Pataudry, a ground that is notoriously difficult for us to get a win at. Um, did you did you go to the game or did you watch it on the telly? No, I was still recovering from COVID, unfortunately. So um, uh, the next game it'll be at is Kilmarnock away, but I did watch it on the telly. Yeah, so <clears throat> I watched it on the telly as well. But see, when the, when the lineup first came out, obviously it was David Gray's, well, technically his second game in interim charge, but I don't think we're really going to count Aston Villa. His first league game, certainly. Um, and his third interim spell. Were you happy with the lineup? I wasn't. <clears throat> I wasn't surprised by it. I felt like I, I was quite surprised, in a way, with the lineup against Aston Villa because I felt that we would have, even though we're five 0 down, we would have maybe put our best team out just to make a good account of ourselves because it was always a risk that if we had fielded a a, a weakened team, then it could have been anything. Um, but to be fair, we made a good account of ourselves. But there was nothing that, that really surprised me, to be honest. I'm just looking at the lineup now. It was Miller, Hanlon, Fish and Stevenson uh, along the back. That, that's pretty much been our back four all season. The only um, the only real change in that would be Miller. You know, Miller's sometimes been in and out because of, of injury and whatnot. I think um, Jago brings a, a bit of a bit of steel into that midfield that allows uh, Joe Newell to go and play a bit of football and Josh Campbell. And then, of course, we had uh, Boyle Yuan and, and Venti. So there's nothing that surprised me. I felt it was a pretty strong side. And if you were asking me before the game who I would have picked, it would have been fairly close to that, to be yeah, honest. It would have been pretty similar, eh? Well, <clears throat> I mean, it was a pretty uneventful first half. Um, you know, I, I can't really remember an awful lot of things happening. In the first half, but what we will talk about is, you know, those individual performances 
um, from those important players that you've highlighted. I've got down here uh, Lafondra, Doidge, Miller, and Jago were all standouts for me. Obviously, Lafondra. David Marshall deserves a wee shout as well. Mm-hmm. He didn't. He didn't have a whole lot to do, but when he did get called into action, he made a brilliant save. Yeah, he made a superb I, save I at one 0 I think. Was at the start of the uh, second half, I believe. Um, he made a brilliant save to keep it at nil nil, and he done. You know, he done the basics right. You know, he's taken a lot of stick as David Marshall, and I'll I'll be the first to say um, that I've given him some stick as well. But you know, when you you need to give some credit when it's due when he comes out and, and puts in a decent performance. So fair play to him. And uh, we'll just touch on the goals quickly before we move on to <clears throat> manager chat. The first one, Adam Lafondra, it's kind of bouncing about the box a little bit. Um, and then it's a it's a lovely cushioned header from Joe Newell in his path. And he said in his post-match when, when he made the connection, he knew it was going in. It was a wonderful goal, but I just want to hear your thoughts, Mark. I said at the start of the season, I reckon Lafondra will chip in with quite a few goals a season and he I mean he's got three in four league games already how just how important do you actually think he's going to be for us for the remainder of the season I think he's playing the role that we all expected him to play except he's playing it a lot better than maybe what we expected <laughs> because we all knew that when we signed Adam Lafondra he wasn't going to be the replacement to Kevin Nisbet obviously that turned out to be Dylan Vente. Um but we knew he was brought in to bring some experience to the to the pitch for our younger players and we knew that he's a, a fox in the box he's got his football IQ is, is probably one of the best I've ever seen at Hibs he's so intelligent the way he reads the game and that allows him to come on and he doesn't need a lot of pace he doesn't need much because he knows where to be and then obviously he's got a, a brilliant finish in him so I think he's probably just playing the role that we all expected you know coming off the bench chipping in here and there but he's he's chipping in a lot more than we would have thought if you look at that um, game against Lucerne, he was absolutely vital in that 3-1 win and ultimately getting us through and then he's chipped in with some league goals and this really was he basically scored the winner you know, he, he, he put it at 1-0 so yeah he's, he's he's playing a role and he's doing it very well at the moment. I mean it's the, it's the pick of the bunch of his goals so far this season I thought it was a, a wonderful wonderful finish and it's one of the things that you know as you get older and when you're a professional footballer you know, maybe your legs go, your pace goes, but I think for strikers that are as clinical as that, who have scored goals wherever they've been, that sort of instinctive finish doesn't really leave you an awful lot. Um, yeah. And, you know, for 36 years old, how sharp he is, you know, on the edge of the box and, you know, in and around that 20, 25 yards um, within the goal, he is so sharp. And like you said, his football IQ is, honestly, it's second to none. I'm not too sure what everyone's expectations were when when we signed him. Obviously, he came with a lot of uh, a lot of kind of hype from from England. You know, we've we've been kind of hyping him up from for about ten years, hoping yeah. that we hoping that we were trying to sign him. But you know, I remember him back when he when he played for Reading and and teams like that down south. And you know, he was just as much a fox in the box, maybe a little a little less pace. Now than, than he did back then, but I remember him being a very very capable striker, and he's shown that completely so far this season. And you know, it's really good to see so at least one striker coming in and and scoring plenty of goals for us. You know, because it's not always the case. You know, we're not blessed with a massive massive budget to go and get players who come in and instantly hit the ground running every single time. So it's uh, it's very pleasing 
to the ones that actually do come off. Another striker who I thought had a great game and who's had a great season so far is Christian Deutschmark. Another goal um, on Saturday, on Sunday, sorry, there. And he's looking like he's going to be you know, a pivotal part of the squad this season. Yeah, do you know what? I cannot give Christian, Joy- <coughs> Christian Deutsch enough credit because I can only imagine as a football player getting told at the start of a season, essentially, look, we're, we're looking to move you on, we're looking to try to cash our chips a little bit, get a little bit of cash for you, and you're going to be moved out, especially considering he was shipped out on loan last season. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the fans have said that Deutsch isn't good enough. But for him to come in at the start of the season, despite being told that he's getting moved on, and then all of a sudden he's starting games one after the other, he's he's the, the starting striker. Then we go and sign a big money striker for 750000 whatever it is. We've already got, you know, Lafondra, Melkerson at the time we still had, you know, all these. And for him to come in and still be fighting, that's the kind of attitude for me that you need as a player. You know, still not not really caring about all the noise and anything. Mm-hmm. He's just thinking, as soon as I get a chance to go into the pitch, I'm going to work my balls off to make sure that, that you know, if they get rid of me, it's a, it's a bad move. He's and that's what he does. That's for what me, does. he's been <clears throat> for me, he's been the best player uh, for us this season so far. You know, he's work rate, he's finishing, he's chipped them with some goals. I, I don't think his goal scoring abilities ever went away. I just think we doubted them for a period of time, and. That first goal that we scored for me defines how good Christian Deutsch is because the whole Aberdeen defence switched off because they thought that ball was going out for a goal kick. Mm-hmm. Deutsch is the only one that's alive to that and it's alert to it and he runs out there, keeps the ball in play, turns round and then dinks it into the box and then he allows Joe Newell to put a lovely little uh, touch which cushions it perfectly and then Lafondra scores. If Deutsch was another player maybe Venti would have went for it, I don't know, but if it was another player, maybe they wouldn't have ran for that and all of a sudden we don't get that goal and maybe we leave with a point or even Aberdeen snap. Do you know, it's small margins and for him to go and bust the gut to get that ball, keep it in and then it turns out to be a goal and then of course he's his second goal, he's unlucky not to score straight from the corner but then he's still in there, he's still making a bit of a nuisance of himself and then when it eventually comes back to him, He's not going to miss that. So I, I take my hat off to him. He's been, his attitude is, is absolutely brilliant and that's half the battle for me when you're playing at this level. Of course, like, it, it speaks volumes about his character. You know, it's, it doesn't mean an awful lot these days. You know, some people will tell you it does, but, you know, stripped to the number nine, um, you know, given a, a higher number, looked all but all but set to, to head out the door. And, you know, he could have said, now nah, I want to stay and just you know stayed and picked up a wage, went through the motions, seen out his contract because I would imagine that he's on a half decent wage, probably better than he would get, you know, at any other clubs who'd be interested. So he could have easily just bound tools and said, I'm going to see out my contract, pick up a wage. But <clears throat> like you said, and I think the that bursting for the ball to chuck it into the box for the first goal, personifies Christian Deutsch as a person. That determination, that eagerness to to work for the team. And I, like you said, I, I genuinely don't think it has ever gone away. Um, listen, we're under no illusions. Christian Deutsch isn't one of these players who's going to pick up the ball, run 40 yards and score, yeah. a, score a screamer from outside the box. He's one of these people who who makes a nuisance to himself in the box. And that showed from 
you know, when he before he went out on Monte Kilmarnock, like all the goals that that he scored more or less were, you know, him just being a bit of a nuisance in the box. And I think that's what we missed a lot last year. You know, we put a lot of balls into the box and there wasn't anyone there to to convert. And, you know, with Dodge here this year, maybe Venti's going to be a little bit more of an aerial threat. I just think we're a, we're a different... <clears throat> we've got a little bit of a different dynamic going forward this year. Last, last season, of course, it was... You know Nisbet, but it was Nisbet and Yuan, and they were kind of cancelling each other out at times. But I feel like we've got we're a lot stronger in attack now than we were at the end of last season, at least. Yeah, it just felt like there was one. It just seemed like we had a, a jigsaw, right? We had all these pieces that, and they, they looked really good. We've got Boyle, we've got Yuan, we've now got Venti, who's this big money striker who looks a player. We've got options, you know, we've got Levitt, Newell, we've got Fish, we've got all of these players, we've signed a new goalie, we just needed something to bring it all together. Whether or not, and look, I'm not saying that sacking Johnson was the right thing, maybe it was, I don't know, you know, we'll never know really, but maybe it just did take a new set of eyes to come in and just bring it all together, and we'll obviously go on to talk about that, but it just looked like for the first time on Sunday that things were starting to come together. We looked pretty solid in defence, which we should do, because if you look at the end of last season when Fish started breaking through, we were solid. We had a solid back line. So I don't know why it's not worked out this season, but we looked for the first time really good at the back. We looked like our midfield was ticking over with Jego. I thought he had a brilliant game, breaking up play, driving us forward. Newell, as usual, was brilliant. And then Boyle, I mean, Yuan, caused them all sorts of problems. And then very unlucky not to score, I think. Very unlucky. If he, you know, on a different day, he could have had a couple. But um, and then ultimately, we came away and we deserved our three points. I think it's the th- first time we've scored two at Petodre in a long, long, long time. So that shows how good the yeah. performance was. Um, and yeah, it just looks like we've got all the pieces. We just need something to bring it together, and hopefully, that the new manager, whoever it may be, is the person to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, it's definitely something to build on. And, you know, it's not something I've seen coming so far this season, to be honest with you. Um, You know, under Johnson, at least, you know, we've looked um, lazy in midfield. We've looked poor at the back, lazy in attack. And I felt on Sunday it was completely different and completely flipped. I felt we looked so much better. And like you said, solid. Um, the midfield were making things happen. Um, attack were looking lively and deadly. And obviously we got our goals and our three points to come back down the road and we're obviously delighted with that. And I think it sets us into a really good place going into the international break. Obviously we're looking to have a new manager in place for the time that we face Kilmarnock. <laughs> I think it will happen. Um, there's been a few names flying about, Mark. Um, I don't think you were on the pod when we were talking about the names that we were that we would like to have seen in. Um, Sean was a very, very big advocate for Nick Montgomery, who yep. it looks like uh, it's all but done. You know, obviously we don't, we don't want to put the kiss of death on it here and say it's yep. done. We don't know anything, but it looks like from the reports that Nick Montgomery is going to be the man. Are you pleased with that, or is there someone else that you would have rather had in 
in front of him? Honestly, I don't know much about him. You know, I've, I've obviously listened to what Sean had to say on the podcast about him, which sounded very positive, and, you know, his record with um, Central Coast Mariners or something like yeah. that. His record's very good. He obviously won the league there against all odds, really. I think they were pretty big underdogs going into that. Um, and he seems to have turned a few players. I think, you know, Jason Cummings was mentioned and things like that. So it's interesting. I think it's a different approach. What we seem to have been going for in recent years seems to be, you know, managers that have managed down south at a reasonable level. You look at, you know, Heckingbottom and uh, even Jack Ross, because he was at Sunderland and, um, and Lee Johnson. They, they all had fairly respectable careers before they came into Hibs. I think the issue you've got when you recruit an Englishman who's only managed down south, they come up here with a little bit of an arrogance mm-hmm. that's like, I'm going to come in here, I'm going to, like, because I'm this, you know, established manager down south and because the level in Scotland is so much worse, I'm going to come up here and I'm going to, it's going to be easy, I'm going to win the league, I'm going to dethrow, I'm, I'm going to overthrow the old firm, we're going to go into Europe and, and all that and I think it's just going to be some big party. And they get a shock when they come up and realise how difficult it is with the budget mm-hmm. they've got and they're going up against difficult little teams like Livingston and Kilmarnock and whatnot on the plastic pitches. And it just seems to fall away from them. It just seems to not work out. So I'm hoping the difference is, is Nick Montgomery's coming from the A-League, which is a lower level in Scottish football. So for him, this is a, a promotion. This is an upgrade. And he's a young coach, so he'll be coming into this like, this is the biggest challenge of my career and he's going to come in, he's going to navigate all these issues and he's going to be fully aware of how difficult it's going to be and I think you need that. I'm sick of these managers coming in thinking it's just going to be a bit of an easy ride and it's going to be, because they're some kind of big name, they're going to be able to just do whatever they want. I think you need somebody that's got a good, good solid foundation, which I think he does, that's got good man management, good tactical awareness but somebody that knows the challenge that they're going to come into. And I think he he will know full well that this is a huge challenge for him personally in his career because this will be the highest level that he's managed at. Absolutely. And I think you touch on man management there, and I think that the, the, the man management side of things is completely underrated and undervalued by a lot of people who aren't, you know, in the building and you know around, around the team and, and get the atmosphere. I think that people don't don't see that really on a day-to-day basis the last good last great man manager i think we had was probably alan stubbs um you know people would probably say neil lennon was a good man manager as well but two very two very different styles of man management the worst man manager I on it, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> well definitely not the best man manager for flo camberry anyway I tell you that <laughs> but um um i was reading up a couple of articles um earlier on and there was one that uh the Daily Record posted last summer um, when Lewis Miller signed for Hibs and Lewis Miller was talking about how good Nick Montgomery's man management style was and how he owes more or less everything that he's done to him um, for bringing him through the youth academy and making him a stalwart in that Central Coast Mariners defence and then obviously getting his move to Hibs. So it's promising to hear things like that even before we were linked with them, because you know it's it's an easy story to write if if you've got or well, you know someone's played in the A League. <clears throat> Here's what he's got to say about about um, Nick Montgomery. So 
and you know I've I've watched a couple of the videos because I tried to keep a wee bit of a close eye on Jason Cummins when he was down under playing for Central Coast and there's a lot of there's a lot of footage uh, of him with Nick Montgomery and uh, getting on really well and there's there was a video that I saw it was after they won the the grand final and Jason Cummins goes to him and he says you know you've you've changed my life uh, you know you've you've turned me you've turned me into a much better player and stuff so I think his man management skills are you know pretty good um he's been the central coast mariners coach since 2021 i'm not too sure how you'll look at these stats though mark he's had 60 games he's won 30 drawn 11 and lost 19 scored 139 goals and conceded 94 so I'd, I'm not too sure. Sixty games since 2021. It doesn't seem like an awful lot, but I'm not too sure how the Australian league works in terms of timings and stuff. Like when their off season is in that. Yeah, I'm not sure to be honest. <clears throat> I don't really watch the league. I'm not sure how it works. Um, you know, I think I'm sure. You know, one of the not one of the challenges I think that Hibs fans will have is that first of all it's a lower level you know the A league is, is probably a lower level in scottish football so you know to take a player like a lot of people are saying oh he took jason cummings and he made them this this good player i think the reality is that jason cummings was always a good player but he's just moved to a, le- a lower level which has allowed him to go and play however i do think that it doesn't matter what level you play at man management is man management so whether it's the a league whether it's the premier league or the scottish league man management is, is man management at the end of the day I do. I've seen a couple of shouts, which I find bizarre, is that it's another Sean Maloney appointment. I, I yeah. Just, I totally disagree because Sean Maloney had never managed before. He was only the assistant. He was the assistant at some pretty big jobs like Belgium, and you know he'd played at a high level and all that. At the end of the day, this guy's been managing since what you say, two thousand twenty-one or something like that. Well, twenty twenty-one <clears throat> with Central Coast Mariners, but I think he he's been involved in the coaching setup from maybe about twenty. 2012, 2013, something like that. So, you know, he's been there for a long, long time. Yeah, and to and say that he's a Sean Maloney just because the A-League is a lower level, to be honest, is a little bit arrogant because it's... You look at Ange, how, how exactly, well Ange did when he came over you. Just because he's not managing in Europe doesn't mean he's not a, a good manager. You know, you I, I think there's a lot of diamonds in the rough, you know, whether it's the A-League or the over in Japan and Asia and, and things like that. I think there is a lot of... And I think now... Since Ange, I think he's sort of broke the mould a little bit and he's dipped into that market. And now you see a lot of Scottish clubs dipping into the A-League or, you know, going for some Japanese players or, or, or looking about the Asian market. So it could be that, you know, this is a trend and we start to get these diamonds over from, from the league. But I think it is really key good man management because I think this squad of players has been lacking a good man manager for a long mm. time. And I think that's why we see after maybe six months when a new manager comes in, it, it just seems to dip and we just yeah. seem to fall away. And I think that is because they maybe lose a little bit of motivation. They don't have somebody there that's that's keeping up with them. And I think, you know, you could say that about Sean Maloney. Jack Ross was probably a decent man manager. Um, but um, what's his name? Lee Johnson. It just all seems that they weren't able to keep the dressing room on side. So if Nick Montgomery can do that, if he does get recruited, then I think for me that's half the battle. 
and then time mm-hmm. will tell whether you know he's he's got the tactical awareness and and all that kind of stuff. Well, his, his tactics that he, he usually goes for. So, according to transfer market, um, they said that his favoured formation is usually a four-four-two. Uh, it can alter to a four-four-one-one. To me, it's six and a half a dozen. That's exactly yeah, the same. I'm just. I was trying to think earlier on. I wonder what the best lineup then would be to fit a four-four-two with the players that we've got at the moment. Because when me, Sean, and Craig spoke about it. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, we were saying that you know we can't we can't now go for a manager because of you know what they say they're going to do. I think we need to listen to a manager's ideologies and manager's philosophies, the way that a manager wants to play. Look at our squad, and if the two marry up, then it's probably going to be a wee bit better than than it usually would if you know you just get someone who's got the gift of the gab, you know, I think like Lee Johnson maybe did. So if you look at the squad that we've got, do we, have, do we have what it takes to, to fit a four four two? I think if when a manager comes in though, it should be very much I mean, it's as the great Sir Alex Ferguson said, it's you that's gonna to have to change because I'm not going to change. So if you don't change, then you're out the door. For me that's the attitude that a manager needs to have. I'm coming in with this philosophy I'm going to try and fit you guys into this philosophy. And if you don't change, then you're out the door. I don't think I'm at it. Because for me, that's the sign of a weak manager that comes in. Because I think that's what Lee Johnson tried to do. And it shows weakness when a manager comes in and says, right, I'm going to mould to the players that I've got. And I'm going to mould to how you guys perform as opposed to you moulding to how I perform. For me, it should be a manager coming in. This is the shape I want to play. Here's the players that I've got, right? This You're going to fit into my shape. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. If you don't like it or you're not good enough for it, then we'll move you out the door and we'll bring somebody else in that is. That's how it should be for me. So mm-hmm. regardless of the players that we've got, I think, you know, it, it should be up to the new manager that comes in. I think it's tough me, to do that outside of the window, though. <clears throat> but for me, though, we've got the players to play in a 4-4-2 because I can't remember if it was against Lucerne. We essentially did play a 4-4-2. For me, the best team would be our usual back four, which is Miller, Hanlon, Fish and uh, Stevenson or Obita, p- potentially. A midfield four of Boyle and Yuan out wide with Levitt and Newell up front. And then up top, you could vary between Venti, Doidge and Lafondra. Um, you could also take out Yuan, you could put Obita in. There's players that can come in and you can mix and match. You know, you've got players like Jago if you wanted to play a little bit more defensive or or Campbell if you wanted to maybe get get, get them up the park a little bit. For me, that 4-4-2 that we played against Lucerne, I think it was at home, was our best performance of the season. Mm-hmm. And we even talked about it on this podcast, we need to get back to basics. Let's play a 4-4-2. And I think one of the listeners as well put a question in, why don't we play a 4-4-2? We did it. And it was our best performance of the season so far, potentially matched by Aberdeen. Yeah, I think I, it's it's difficult. Eh? Like it's it's one of these things. Like four four two is not a sexy formation. It's not a three one two three or, or whatever. It's not a, a four two three one or you know a double pivot with a six. It's it's a basic formation. And yeah, like you said, back to basics is probably going to do us. There's a world of good after, you know, Lazerne anyway. But yeah, like, um, football's a simple game, right? Like, football is exactly. a simple game. I know it's a cliche, but football's changed because of managers like Pep Guardiola and Jose Mourinho and Jurgen Klopp, and they've all got these unique styles. Mm-hmm. Like, 
that take attacker and inverted fullbacks and gegging yeah. press and counter-attacking, right? See, at the end of the day, we're not playing Champions League football. We're not playing Premier League. This is Scottish football, right? And I'm not to, not to talk down Scottish football, but you can be basic in Scottish football and still look good. You know, you mm. can play... You don't have to play a 3-1-0-6-9. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can play... You can play, like normal formations like a 4-4-2 I don't know why modern managers are so allergic to it just because it's not some 3-5-2 with inverted fullbacks and this and that and just, it's a simple formation it's balanced and it's see if you've got the right players and the right kind of tactics it'll do the job and we've seen that against Lisbon. Yeah, and I think that I mean the, the lineup that you've just named there you know we've we've got a very very good squad on paper football of course isn't played on paper but you look at that that group of players and you think that you know that's that is a that probably you know man for man outside the old firm probably one of the best in the division you know you look you obviously you want to compare it to hearts and aberdeen i think man for man you know that i don't i'm not too sure there's an awful lot of difference between the sides well we just pumped aberdeen eh? so exactly exactly so it's 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 just one of these things, isn't it? Um, another uh, characteristic of Nick Montgomery is his uh, his knack of developing players and getting them well from the A League to European League ready. You know, he's he's got quite a good he's got quite a good catalogue of names here that um, that I've notched down. So. I put Jason Cummins in first, and I know he's not going to the European leagues, but he's went and found a big money move to India. He was a massive, massive part of how of how that Central Coast Mariners team played in the last couple of years. You know, when it looked like his career was over after after Dundee, he kind of found a new lease of life down under. So Cummins, I think, is a good advocate, like you said. Maybe he just he just found his level. Um, and then you've got Garen Cool, who of course signed for Newcastle, was on one at Hearts last year. Uh, Lewis Miller, who's at Hibs, and you've got Kai Rolls as well, who came from Central Coast Mariners, who has done uh, who's done all right for Hearts in the couple of years that he's been there. And then there's another couple of players that I, I notched down: Silvera, who plays for Middlesbrough, Triantis, that plays for Sunderland, and I think both of them signed for those clubs this season. And you've got uh, McGarry, who's just signed for Aberdeen as well. And they've all come from Central Coast Mariners. So it's quite a good, it's quite positive to see that he's taking these players from A-League level and getting them to European League level, albeit they're signing for Middlesbrough or uh, Sunderland or Aberdeen. But, you know, that's the kind of market that we, that we dip into. So... I wonder if he would then kick on any of our youth players. Maybe a Josh O'Connor? Yeah, <clears throat> and I think it's impressive all the more that, you know, a lot of teams don't even look into that market. A lot of teams think because it's outside of Europe, because it's Australian football, that you're never going to find any good players there. So I think it's particularly impressive that he's managed to get all of these moves or develop all of these players to get their moves into Europe, considering that, you know, it's only been quite recent that, that um, teams have started dipping into that market. So, absolutely, look, we've always, you know, prided ourselves on being a club that's developing youth players, developing players, and 
realistically where we're at, our main source of money will be developing players, either buying them on the cheap or bringing them through the youth academy, yeah. getting a good couple of years out of them and then selling them for mm-hmm. two, three, four million to clubs in the Serie A or the Championship or Premier League or wherever. Um, so if he can help do that, then brilliant, because obviously the more money that we generate with those sales, the better players we can then go and buy and like, obviously. Then. Yeah, absolutely right. And I think that's probably been, you know, along with the man management style, I think that's maybe been the, the biggest factor that's attracted Hibs to Nick Montgomery. Um, I was quite chuffed, actually, when I seen us being linked with him. You know, like I said, I tried to keep as close an eye as I could, you know, with the time zones and that on Central Coast Mariners, uh, just with the Jason Cummins link and stuff, I wanted to see them do well. But would you be happy with him if he if he got the job tomorrow? Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be, you know, from everything that I've heard, it's positive. I wouldn't be unhappy. You know, I wouldn't be jumping for joy and shouting from the rooftops and whatnot. But I certainly wouldn't be unhappy. I think, you know, it's always the same with managers. Time will tell. You know, he'll, he could come in and be absolutely revolutionary and, and mm-hmm. be an absolutely brilliant manager. Or he could come in and, and struggle again. I just, it, it makes me nervous when we get new managers because I feel like the Hibs fan base is we very impatient. a little bit too much. They, they're, they're just very impatient. And, you know, those that are most impatient usually shout the loudest, whether it's not so much from the stands, more on social media. You know, I've had to unfollow a lot of the Hibs supporters pages and, and unfollow Hibs and stuff like that because the amount of bile that is spewed on these <laughs> posts. It's like Johnson came in and, like, one game in, it's like, oh, wrong choice. You see people talking about how we should have never sacked Sean Maloney, we should have never sacked Jack Cross, but... They're the same that was people. that was your burner account. You should never have sat Sean Maloney. With <laughs> they, these were the same people that were sitting absolutely shouting how they need to go and they need to get out of the club and all that. So I just hope, and that, I don't expect, but I hope that if he does come in and he's maybe a slow starter, he doesn't maybe hit the ground running, that we just give him a bit of time before we start spewing all of this toxicity on him. Because yeah. if he does come in, and we start booing him and start jumping on social media saying he's another Maloney, he's a clown, he's this and that. What's he going to think? He's going to be thinking, Christ, what have I got myself in here? I should have, you know, I was loved back home and come exactly. here and all of a sudden I'm getting chewed up and spied again. So I just, that that's my one hope if we do get him is that we just get And then him. after that, I mean, it's it's not, doesn't then make it a very attractive job for anyone no, else to take, to be honest. Honestly, if I was a manager, which I'm not, but if I was a manager... I'd be looking and thinking, Christ almighty, do I really want that job? <laughs> Amount of managers that we've gone through in the last 10 years. And honestly, it, it, it's one of the most toxic. At the same time, by the way, we are, we've got some of the best fans ever. Just look at down in Birmingham, how unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Our core fan base, right? Our core fan base is one of the best in Scotland. Yeah. Like the, the numbers that we bring, the noise that we make, the vast majority of Hibs fans are absolutely superb. So please don't think I'm not saying that. But the ones that talk the loudest are the ones on like social media and all that. And you just see some horrible, horrible comments about players and managers and stuff like that. And you just think, have a day off. Like go and just yeah. support the... And do you know what the funny thing is? A lot of these guys that are going on social media will be the ones that have never been to a game. They just sit and, and spew abuse. Yeah. It's an easy it's an easy way to get 
you know, rubbish opinions out there and it's it happens at every club though. It's not exclusively Hibs, it's it's every club and I think a lot of <clears throat> clubs down south have been I mean a lot of clubs all over Europe probably have have kinda felt that fan pressure from social media. I feel like there was a lot of pressure on Maloney when he went on uh, from social media. There was a lot of pressure on uh, from social media on Jack Ross as well. So it's nothing new. And I think it's just the way that football is. But listen, at the end of the day, Nick, Nick Montgomery comes in and he does well, he'll be away in a year. If he doesn't do well, he'll be away in a year. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. I just, yeah, I hope, you know, I'm, I'm always pretty on the fence with with managers, like I've never ever wanted anyone to be sacked, you know, I never called for Maloney to be sacked, never called for Jack Ross to be sacked, never called for Lee Johnson to be sacked, rightly or wrongly they were sacked and I, you know, you just have to go with the flow at the end of the day you're going to support the club no matter what, but that's the one thing that I hope is that we just give him a little bit of time, at the end of the day he's coming from a different continent You know, not even, he's not even coming from down south, a different country it's a completely different culture different football, different well, English, mind is he English? Hi. Is he actually? Well, he played for Scotland 21s, I think. Oh, really? Oh, well, he was born in Leeds. He'll <laughs> <laughs> be sound. He should win his first game or get him to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but no, just quickly before we move on, if not Montgomery, then who? who's your other preferred candidate? Teddy Butcher, maybe. <laughs> Do we yeah. maybe need a relegation to get us kickstarting again? <clears throat> Honestly, I don't know. A lot. The one I'm not even going to say who I would take, but I, I tell you, I wouldn't take, and that is Neil Buddy Lennon. <laughs> I'm sick to death of seeing. Oh, he was the best manager we've had in years. No, he wasn't. He got us. Promoted. He was for six months. He got us promoted in a league that had nobody else in it. Right, fair enough. He done his job. He got us third place. We should have finished second, but we bottled it. Bearing in mind he had inherited perhaps the best squad of players. I think we actually finished seen. fourth that season, Mark. No, I thought we finished. Was it? Was no, it, I think we ended up finishing fourth. Well, we should have finished second. Um, I can't. I'm not actually too sure. Someone will connect me. I'm. A, I'm sure. We should have finished second, but anyway, we had a decent season. We got record points and all that, right? And that's what people remember him by. People remember him in a decent derby record in those years, right? He left us in a hell of a position, and I actually think our downfall to where we got to under like Jack Ross and Maloney was because of Neil Lennon. Mm-hmm. He left us. We lost the majority of our good players, which isn't his fault. You know, he the dressing room was totally against him. I think how where were we when he left? Ninth, eighth or ninth, eighth. something like that. Yeah, it was. We were looking awful. So he, he burnt his bridges with us for me. He jumped ship to Celtic straight away. Like, there's no way I would take him back. Absolutely no way. I don't even care if he would do well. He, there's no way. He's burnt his bridges. Yeah, I think it's he's one of the, he'd be one of these appointments, I think, you know, 50%. If you if you ask 100 Hibs fans, 50 will say yes and 50 will say no. It's, it's, he's a very, very divisive figure. I don't think, personally, I would take him back either. Um, but, you know, you look at the rest of the names that are being mentioned. I said McInnes. Uh, on the last pod, I think who would, I would you take? If it wasn't I, think Mc, Montgomery. I think I think Derek McInnes, I would take. And yeah. I know that the football wouldn't be nice to look at. I know it would probably be pretty boring at times, but he's got a track record of getting results, and 
I think at this moment in time, results is what we need to kind of steady the ship and then kind of build on it from there. So if it wasn't Montgomery, I would be I'd be happy with McInnes. Don't know about Robinson. Uh, people have been coming with the Robinson shouts. Yeah, but I agree. I, I get it, but I, I think McInnes, for me, has got a better proven track record at being at one of these bigger clubs in Scotland. Yeah, I and you know he's done it with Aberdeen. So I think that's key. I think McInnes is probably the most qualified because he's done it at Aberdeen, and you know he's probably Aberdeen's best manager in a long, long time in terms of. I know that they kind of got him out the door in the end, and I think the issue league positions and stuff like it was. The they issue, enjoyed a lot of success under him. The problem when you're in a manager that doesn't play great football but gets results, right? It's and it, it's Nielsen fell into this trap as well. When the results stop, the calls to be sacked come really quickly. Oh, yeah. Because all of a sudden you go from poor performances but good results and good position in the league to poor performance and a poor result. Oh, yeah. It's like, nah, this is this guy doesn't know what he's doing and it, it comes really, really quickly that yeah. calls to be sacked. But like you said, he's got a track record of being at a bigger one of the bigger Scottish clubs, really good record with Aberdeen and he's starting to do pretty decent at Kilmarnock as well. But I think yeah, Rob exactly. doing well with St Mirren, but I just he's one of these managers that I just don't wouldn't trust him with a big job. I think Stephen Robinson did has done really well, and what I like about Stephen Robinson is the fact that he has, when he was manager at Motherwell and now manager at St Mirren, he's he's got a very very good eye for a player, <clears throat> um, and he's he's managed to bring on a lot of good players that St Mirren and Motherwell have got on the cheap. You know, Mark O'Hara being one. Um, I think was he the manager at Motherwell when Louis Moult was was there? Maybe I can't actually remember, but I know that there's you know there's a handful of really good players that um, have played under Stephen Robinson in Scotland. So I mean that's one thing about Robinson I like. But I think I'm in the same boat as you. I'm not too sure if I would trust them with a job as big as Hibs, which sounds mental saying that I would trust Montgomery with a job as big as Hibs. But yeah, for me Montgomery is a sexier appointment. And yeah. That's that's the bottom line for me. There's no one really like screaming out to me, you know, as oh we we absolutely need to get him. But I'm pretty ha- like out of all of those options, I would probably you know I'm probably happiest with Montgomery. I think it's something new, it's something exciting. Let's see what happens. Eh? Exactly, and I think you know you you talk about the club taking risks and stuff with their managerial appointments, but is it that much of a risk? Is it really? Is mm. I think it is it's you know kind of the same level of risk that you would take with a McInnes or a Robinson maybe a little bit more risky but you know the guys are clearly a competent manager the players and the fans <coughs> of Central Coast Mariners love them so I don't think it doesn't matter who you recruit as manager there's always going to be a risk there's always an element of risk we could go and sign bloody Pep Guardiola. And there's always a risk that it doesn't work out for one mm. reason or the other. So, there's yeah, there's always going to be a risk. So we may as well just go with what we feel is best. Absolutely. And uh, if you're listening, Ben Kensel and uh, Ian Gordon, then Montgomery's your man. Get it done. Get it over the line. I did have a nice long conversation with Ian Gordon um, in Lucerne. In yeah, so I heard. So I heard. Very nice. A very nice man. He, he was. We were well. We were both a lot of pints deep, to say the least. And we were both absolutely just burning lugs, but lovely guy, <laughs> lovely guy. 
I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you had a, a good conversation with him. But we'll move on quickly from the manager chat because you know we might appoint <laughs> Derek McInnes tomorrow. We've spent you know, 45 minutes talking about Nick Montgomery, but our next five league games after the international break are Kilmarnock away, St Johnson home, Dundee home, Hearts away, Rangers away. That is a very very tough five games, and then to add to that, we've got Celtic at home. On the on the other end of that, so that would be the start of the next five games. After that, out of fifteen, how many points really should we be looking at to make up for lost ground? I think really we should be going for maximum points up until we get to October. Um, I, I mean, I never think we're going to beat uh, the old farm, and then obviously Hearts away. I think it's probably one of our worst grounds of all time to, to go to. So, I think. We need to be in a strong position going into those three games. Think if you had asked, you know, before the season started, a lot of Hibs fans were saying that we shouldn't lose a game up until October. Unfortunately, that's not happened that <laughs> way. But, you know, the next few games, Kilmarnock away, yes, it's challenging. Yes, they beat the old firm there. But if you look at the other results that they've had, you know, they were beaten, I think, who beat Ross County at the weekend? Ross County beat them. You know, Kilmarnock are one of these sides that show up against the big boys. And I think we qualify as one of the big boys. So if we can go there and play at our best, we will beat them. And then you look at the other games. Did you say Dundee at home? And, um, so it's Kilmarnock away, then St. Johnson at home, then Dundee at home. So <clears throat> if, if we're not getting seven out of nine points there, at least, I think there's something very, very wrong. With all due respect yeah. to St. Johnson and Dundee, but it's these now are games that we... I genuinely don't think we can afford to lose, given that we lost the opening three fixtures. Yeah, and I think you know now that we're we've not got Europe to contend with anymore. I think that's a big factor. You know, I think it was really tough, and it, it must be tough to go from these big glamorous European nights playing against, you know, Lucerne away in uh, Switzerland, and then Aston Villa, all these big glamour ties. It must be then difficult to go and play Motherwell away or go and play. You know, Livingston at home. at home in front of 10,000 people or whatever. <laughs> um, so hopefully now that those are out of the way, the league is now our main focus and hopefully that kind of translates to the players. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for me, that should be maximum points because not only for the points, but we then go into those three games, you know, hearts away in the old firm. Really, you want to go into those games on good form, you know, with Absolutely. a lot of positivity around the club, players that are full of confidence, a good, a good sort of thing around the club. We can maybe split that into then two two sets of three fixtures. So, from the first three, Kelly away, St Johnson at home, Dundee at home, and then you've got the the back three, Hearts away, Rangers away, Celtic at home, which I think is a very difficult order of games to have them in. You know, if, if we get beat at Tynecastle, then, you know, the last place you want to be going is Ibrox or Parkhead. Yeah. So, I think it's going to be a test of our resolve as as a group. Um, definitely the new manager, whoever he is or she is, when they come in, um, we'll, we'll see it as, as a, a big test, but probably, you know, being able to flex their muscles a little bit and show you know show the fans what they can do you know if we manage to get a couple of results against Hearts and the old firm then you know the, the manager will be back to the high hill it's it's a difficult one though isn't it so I, I would say I'd be happy with seven points from the first three 
and I'd bite your hand off for three, I'd be delighted with four from the back three. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, right, Hearts are not special right now either. You know, you've seen that they got pumped out of Europe. They were beaten by Motherwell at home, which mm. is rare for Hearts to be beaten at home. They were beaten Especially given their home form of last season. Their exactly. Home form last season was great. Their, their home form against everyone, not just Hibs, but, you know, they were home. And that's the reason why they've been finishing so high in the last few years is because they're virtually unbeatable at home, apart from the old firm. Mm. You know, very rarely does a club come, does a team come to Tincastle and get a win. And then, obviously, Motherwell have gone and done that. So, look, we, we, we started to get very close to them last season. We beat them at Easter Road. We should have absolutely beat them at Tincastle at the end of last mm. season. There's no reason why we can't go and beat them in October, especially if we go into it in good form. If they've still got their current manager in, I'm pretty confident because he's an idiot. Fair enough. Well, what <laughs> one are you talking about? <laughs> Again, all of them. All 900 of them. I think they've actually, they kind of tried to clear it up earlier on. They put out a tweet and said that Stephen Naismith was going to be, you know, the main man with Francis McAvoy um, as his assistant. But it's it's a bit of an odd one, isn't it? If you're a Hearts fan, you're kind of scratching your head at that. But what we'll do now, instead of giving Hearts, instead of giving Hearts any air time, we'll move on to listener questions. Now it's time to enter the Hibs Ramble listener questions. Right, Mark. First question. John McIntosh, what is for dinner? I actually had a bit of a Mexican night with Emily. We had vegetas and I even had a cheeky... Oh, we corona. So, yes. That sounds good. We're having cheeseburgers tonight. Um, we're scraping the barrel because we, I didn't really want to go and do a big shop because we've got an awful lot on the next few weeks. I think if we go and do a big shop then things will just go bad. Uh, <laughs> but... Did you hear what I had for my tea last week? I had Aldi's vegan duck stir fry. And See, I tell you what, it was unreal. It was a you game need to changer. get the vegan sausage rolls next time. I might actually, I might actually Mate, dabble in a vegan sausage roll, you know. I tell you right now, they are genuinely brilliant. You will not well, regret it. If you, if you haven't tried the vegan duck, like vegan shredded duck from... Aldi's. It is top tier. It was wonderful. Did you get slayed for having vegan food? Um, not, not actually, not really. So it's just not me that got slayed for having vegan food then? Yeah, I think... I don't know. No, I, I can't really remember. I think... I mean, vegan duck. It tasted like actual duck as well. Like I don't know how to do it. I said that. But, um, yeah, so there you go, John. That's what's for dinner. And we've actually got quite a lot of questions this week. So we'll start off with Callum. And he thinks, what do we think is now our best strike partnership? Has Doidge made one of the biggest about turns as far as Hibs careers go? I think it's his second huge about turn. Well, yeah, you have to feel for the guy because he doesn't do a lot wrong. I think, you know, you look at his miss against Falkirk last season, that might have been the point where a lot of people wanted rid of him, but mm. he always works hard. He's all, you know, nobody's ever been able to doubt that, that he works his balls off. So, aye, it is a huge turnaround. And, like, I don't think anyone really, like, think thought that it had gone away. We all knew what Doidge was capable of and what he did good. I just think that we, did, we thought we didn't really want it anymore. So, yeah. Uh, next 
is Callum again, actually, and he has said there's been a lot of chat that Gray was part of the previous few managers' failings. But in his last couple of spells, he's shown that he can organise and galvanise the side. Do you think he's now deserving of a place in the backroom staff of any future manager, especially as he gets Hibs? And for me, I think you look at that performance and that the way that the team set up on um, even at Villa Park, to be honest, but especially at Pataudry, we looked so much more solid. And if Gray was at any point really a part of the conversation about how he set the team up under Lee Johnson, then setting him up defensively definitely wasn't what he was what he was saying because we looked like a completely different side. Yeah, we did. I don't know if it's just a, a new manager bounce thing, if it if it's just like the shackles coming off almost, you know, when mm. a new manager goes away and then it happens all the time. It's like the, the oldest thing in football is when the, a manager goes away, all these players come out the woodwork and start fighting for their place that was maybe, you know, they're not guaranteed anymore. And it, it could just be that, to be honest. That's yeah. why it's so important we get a man manager so that that mentality doesn't just go away. Um, Absolutely, it could just be them all fighting for a place, really. Mm-hmm. For sure, definitely. I think, you know, whoever comes in is. I've said it before. They they've got a, a really good squad at their disposal, and if that full squad are playing their hearts out and trying to earn a place, then it's only going to reflect better in the results. To be honest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, next up is Joe, and he says, "How long do you think until David Gray gets his own opportunity?" Shown especially this time round that he knows how to set up a team against, albeit a tired opposition in Aberdeen, can't be far away from taking his own gig like Bartley if he can't get an opportunity here. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's a it's a weird one, really. It's a gamble for any team, you know. He's only had a couple of interim spells, but then when do you get your first break? You know what I mean? So. Does he want, like, see when David Gray's always been asked about the opportunity to manage Hibs, he's always been pretty like, not not quite ready for that yet. I'm quite comfortable in the role that I've got. So does he even want to go away and be the, the main man at another team? Yeah, until, or yeah. is he now feeling like he's ready because he's had a couple of years under his belt? Or does he want some more years as a coach working well? Um, it's interesting, though, because Aidan McGeady, I watched one of his interviews, I think it was PLZ or whatever it's called, and he basically said that in training, a lot of things that shouldn't have been happening were being swept under the carpet by Lee Johnson, but David Gray had conversations with Aidan McGeady about how it wasn't acceptable, and David Gray always kept a standard at the club, mm-hmm. um, even when the, the main managers weren't which I found really interesting, and I find that really good as well. That that would be such a positive thing, because you do need, as a, if you're the manager at a club like Hibs, you need to set standards, or else the players will just take the piss. Yeah. So, it, look, he could go away, and he, he could go and get another club, but it would just be interesting to find out, is that actually what he wants at this stage of his career, or does he want to, you know, learn his trade a little bit more as a coach, and then maybe in, later down the line, go and manage a, like similar to Bartley, you know, go and manage mm. a, Edinburgh City or a Cove or you know something like that. The difference with Marvin Bartley is I feel like since he was a coach at Livingston, he had a constant in David Martindale, and I know that you know David Gray is he's, he's no like a, a a young a young laddie who needs to be mentored, but 
he's been on the coaching staff of now what this will be his fourth Hibs manager. So is it fourth? Was he on, on the coaching staff under Jack Cross? I think he might have been at some point. Yeah. Um, so he'll be on the coaching staff of the fourth house manager and it's a lot of chopping and changing. But it'll be, again, a lot of experience for him. So, you know, it's if someone's willing to take a punt on him, I think he'd be a great manager. But for selfish reasons alone, I think he should be sticking at Hibs for the rest of his life. IMO. Yeah, I mean, it would be good. And He'll get his chance at some point, I would imagine. It would be amazing if he did get the opportunity. I think Craig made the point in the group chat, though, like, how can you sack David Gray? You want his legacy like, to be tarnished. If he did go on to become the manager and it didn't work out, you know, how could you possibly sack David Gray? You know, it, it would just be the worst thing ever. And it would just... And obviously, that's not a reason not to make him the manager, yeah. but <laughs> it, would, it would just be heartbreaking to see him be sacked. I know, it kind of need to be one of these Neil Lennon situations, eh? No sacked, but no resigned. This kind of disappeared into thin air. We maybe need to get him like killed off, like by a hitman or something. Maybe that would be that would yeah. be the best. Or just like get like just get him shipped out somewhere and make it out like they made like a really glamorous offer. Like Greenock Morton have come in with a million pound bid for David Gray, so we need to just get rid of him. <laughs> it's an offer that we can't refuse. Uh, next up, it's Pete, and he says. Play players in their actual positions and they don't panic. What a difference. It's as if, you know, football is a, a massive a massive game of rocket science. You know, play players in their positions and they'll play for you. That. I think maybe the players... and See, when people say this, right, I think players don't do it on purpose, but it's kind of subconscious that you stop playing for a manager. Like, you stop giving 100%, but I don't think you realise. I think the faith was lost in Johnson from the players, and you could kind of see it on the park, which is a shame, because like we said on the podcast the other week, Lee Johnson was a really nice bloke when we spoke to him. Um, yeah. But it looked, like the, it looked like the players had kind of stopped. And, you know, as professionals, they probably won't be proud of something like that. But I don't actually think it's a conscious decision from a lot of the players. You know, some yeah, of the players I, maybe, but... I don't think it's a case where they sort of down tools and, like, stop or, or try less. I think the difference is, is, see, when you've got a manager that you genuinely, like, get on well with and he's a really good motivational man-manager, you know, that sort of coach... Easier, isn't it? That gets the, the, the blood pumping, the juices flowing, Right. The difference is, is when players have got a manager like that, they'll run through walls for them. They'll throw their body on the line. They'll run through a brick wall for that manager. When you don't have a manager that gets you your blood pumping as much as that, then you don't go that extra mile. You don't put your body on the line. And that's not that they're trying less. It's just that they're not throwing themselves at exactly. them because they're just not that not as motivated and it doesn't get that sort of response. Absolutely. Uh, here's an easy one for you, Mark, and it's Gav, and he says, what a result with Scott Brown being sat by Fleetwood. Would you like it if Neil Lennon came in with Brown as his assistant and Sir David Gray as first team coach? No. <laughs> well, there you go, Gav. There's your, uh, there's your answer. Uh, why? I, I honestly didn't even realise he'd been sacked. So, I mean, there's your I answer. I think he's, his Fleetwood team has been pretty poor this season anyway. 
I don't I don't think he did too bad last season, but it's a cutthroat league, you know, those lower divisions in England. Good luck to them if they decide to form some kind of weird partnership somewhere. Good on good on them, good luck to them, but not at Hibs. Not at Hibs. Yeah. Um, next up, um, Liam actually sent one of these in last week, and he says, overrated, underrated, and he's given me a list of things, so I'm going to read you out the list, and I want you to tell me if they are, slash where, overrated or underrated. You ready? Mm-hmm. Right, Chris Hogg. Uh, underrated. Owen Doyle. Underrated. Mixu Patalainen. As player a, or manager. Yeah. Um, I can't really comment as a player. It was a bit before my time, but I mean, he was rated fair because he was a brilliant player. Uh, as manager, again, probably rated fairly. I don't think many people think he was a great manager. That's a cop out if I've ever seen one. Neil Lennon. I can't say like underrated or overrated because like he's rated fairly <laughs> as a player. He's rated fairly because he was a good player. As a manager, he was pish. <laughs> Fair enough. What, Neil what are you saying anyway? I'm, why am I the only one answering him? What are you saying? Because well, I'm reading them out. Aye, but you need to answer it as well. Well, Chris Hogg underrated. Owen Doyle underrated. Mixu as a manager overrated because he brought. Uh, did it rather than back but he was pretty gammon the next one is Neil Lennon I'm saying overrated overrated as fuck mm. then the last two is Bovril which Bovril. I think is underrated the drink Bovril <laughs> underrated 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 completely and I, a lot of people slate it you know Bovril I've seen a lot of class. Bovril slatings Happening on the internet these going days. Going up to man. like an away game, freezing cold. Can he beat a Bovril? I love a Bovril, man. And then the last one is the Old East Stand. And I don't really have an awful lot to say about the Old East Stand because I never sat in it. I've always been a West Stand boy. I would probably say it's underrated because it was amazing. The atmosphere was unreal. Yeah, it was. I never it actually. Was really I only good, sat yeah. in it once when I was a wee boy, but like. The atmosphere was class. Yeah, I'll say underrated as well because I do remember the atmosphere being really good watching it from the opposite side of the of the ground. But that's actually that was really good, Liam. And I said to him last week, you better send another one in this week. So this week you better send another one in next week. Because I really I really enjoy stuff like that, you know. Uh, next up Rudy says my man of the match probably would have been Lewis Miller, but Jago was really good too, as was the rest of our back line. Like you said, Mark, uh, Boyle gave them problems. Och, they were all class. David Gray's tactics and subs were bang on. My professional analysis. I tell you what, you could get on sports scene, mate. <laughs> analysis like that. I literally couldn't agree more. I actually couldn't agree more. I think all the players that you mentioned were superb. Lewis Miller, Jago. Um, and I also totally agree that David Gray got it absolutely spot on. Not only yeah, with, with, with the tactics and the subs as well. The subs, I mean, perfect timing. You bring on Lafondre, he scores. You bring on Noy, yeah. he scores. Like, you can't get more perfect than that. So He would have been buzzing going back down the road. Eh? <laughs> yeah. He would have been sat in the back of the bus with that. Big fat Cuban cigar in his mouth. <laughs> but uh, it's a big man. It's a big man. Class, man. I love that for Big Dave. Uh, Jack Hibbs says, Adam Lafondre or Erling Haaland? Ooh, tough one. I'm going to have to go with Adam LaFondra, though. He's got a better goals per minute ratio than Haaland. Yeah, plus I don't think Haaland 
has has ever scored in Scotland. So yeah, I can't want. say he's ever scored at Pataudry, has he? So no, absolutely not. Or Far Park. Or Far Park. Yeah. Uh, next up, Ewan, and he says, "Would you take Dave Gray's manager?" Ken, it's only one good result, but if it were to continue, don't think it would be too bad. Not at this stage, I don't think. I think definitely, you know, one day I'd love to see him in there. I think he needs, what he needs is a run at assistant manager, because at the moment he's only first team, I say only, he's first team coach, but what he needs is a manager to come in and either their assistant manager goes and gets another job and David Gary gets promoted, or a manager comes in with no staff and puts David Gray as his assistant. I think he needs a run yeah. as assistant manager, and then maybe one day we could have him on a, if, you know, the next time we get rid of a manager, next month or something, um, we can <laughs> give him a proper run, because really the only run he's had is like one or two games, whereas he'd exactly, probably yeah. like similar to Barry Robson, give it to him to the end of the season type thing, but, and see what he's capable of. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Harvey Scott said <laughs> seen John didn't ask it last time and still hasn't so this time what's for dinner um, I must have read John's out first I'm so sorry Harvey if you've asked it first but it's cheeseburgers for me and Mexican for Mark Vagitas Vagitas I love Vagitas The Rebel High Bean this is quite an interesting one Mark and it says do you think given Aberdeen and Hearts poor starts to the season the sacking of Lee Johnson can be deemed to be harsh <laughs> I think it can still be considered to be the correct decision given the bigger picture. That's the first, you know, defending Lee Johnson that I've actually seen, you know, online. Yeah, I, 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 do, feel, I, I do feel, um, I do feel for him because there's it, no coincidence that all three of us have had pretty rocky starts and all three of us have been playing in Europe. Yeah. You know, Hibs particularly because we've been playing in Europe from bloody round one against fucking Dan Doran team then we had uh, Lucerne and then we had Aston Villa so we've actually had it worse than anyone Yeah. so considering that Hearts and Aberdeen have been poor as well and they only had one or uh, one tie to put mm-hmm. up with we've had three ties to put up with and the League Cup and then all, obviously the League game so I do feel for them it, it's a lot of games particularly considering it was before the season had really started and still fitness to come and all that kind of stuff but I just think Lee Johnson was already on thin ice from last season because we didn't, although we finished the season pretty good, we didn't get over the line. We should have beat Hearts at Tincastle. Yeah. There was some unforgivable results last season, like back-to-back 3-0s against Hearts. You know, 6-1 six, six, one one against, against Celtic. Celtic. Um, just so much. 4-0 four, four against Celtic as well at home, did we not? Yeah, so there was so much inconsistency, you know, with maybe one, two or three, then we'd lose four. Mm. So I think he was already on thin ice, so it doesn't really surprise me that we pulled the trigger at the first kind of opportunity we could, especially because the amount of money that he's had to play with. Um, but I do agree that it could definitely be deemed as harsh, because if we had given him another couple of months, who knows what could happen when we didn't have Europe to contend with. At the same time, though, we could have stayed the same, continued on a down trajectory, and then we're stuck. It's yeah. Christmas and we're rock bottom. Exactly. I mean, all you need to do is have a look at the results from last season to realise that maybe it's not going to go upwards. It's going to be, you know, up and down and up and down. So I think probably the best the best choice was probably to get rid. And, you know, we wish him all the luck in the world. Like we said before, you know, he's he's a lovely guy. 
uh, had a lot of time for us when we spoke to him. So you know, we, we wish him all the best on whatever he, whatever he does next. But it's time to look forward for the football club and hopefully we get that man in relatively soon. Uh, Ryan Gibson says, would you give Gray the job? We just spoke about that, um, probably not at the moment. James Kinnebar has asked, is Lewis Miller good at football or is Lewis Miller a sexy bastard or both? Both. Yeah, I would have said so as well. Eh? I, I really like him um, at that, in that position. I think he's really, really solid. I just hope that he can stay fit. I don't know what was keeping him out of the team last season. It was a really strange one because remember he played that really good game at Celtic Park. I think we got beat yeah. one. But he was absolutely superb. And then all of a sudden he was out of the team for like months. Mm-hmm. But he was like on the bench. Like he wasn't injured. He was yeah, on the bench. Yeah, it was weird. Was like there. It was a really strange situation. So I hope that he can just stay fit and just stay in the first team consistently. And, and I think if, certainly, you know, if Nick Montgomery comes in, exactly, then he's, exactly. he got the best out of him at Central Coast. So he'll know him and he'll be able to trust him in that right back position, which I think has been a problem area for us. Not only this season, Mark, but, you know, for a, a long number of years, you know, stretching back to, you know, when we had Paul McGinn. And, that, you know, I'm not a big fan of Paul McGinn myself. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we've always had problems in that area. So if we can get someone to be consistently strong, solid and performing well in right back, then, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a great start, really, to be honest. Yeah. Last couple of questions, Mark, before I, I let you go. Albert asks, brown sauce or ketchup on chips? Uh, ketchup. I think it depends what chips it is. If it's chippy chips. If it's chippy then sauce, then I. Chippy sauce. Aye. But if it's like McDonald's stuff, and McDonald's chips, then I wouldn't go for the ketchup. I'd usually go for the sweet curry, but... It's always ketchup. I love ketchup. Always ketchup for me. I do I like ketchup. Ketchup on chippy chips. I would put like chippy sauce, but I wouldn't put like HP sauce on chippy chips. Chippy ketchup is is weird, but I've never really had chippy ketchup. What are doing in that? Chippy sauce is the go. Oh, aye, but I do I do like a bit of ketchup now and then. Won't lie. And finally, uh, Billy is asking, what fictional character would make a good Hibs manager? Christ. Um, I'll go first because I've been thinking about this all day and I think for his tenacity he doesn't give up he is uh, determined he'll go to the ends of the earth for you I think if we're looking at a point of fictional character I don't think we need to look any further than Frodo Baggins <laughs> Oh Christ I'm actually <laughs> stumped at this I really don't know It's a I, great I, question I am, actually I'm going to think about this all night um, oh, I, don't know. I don't know. I was thinking like Iron Man because he's really rich. Like he's like a trillionaire, so he could like ah, you could pump a lot of money, yeah. Pump money into the club, and like he's pretty intelligent as well. So I don't know. I think right, he'd so he would be able to figure it out, I suppose. He could be like a player slash owner, pump a, a load of money into the club, <laughs> and then would be brilliant. Could stick himself in nets. But I, I do I do want to think about that. I do want to think about that. Well, you think about it and let me know with your proper answer and we'll tweet it out. And we'll ask the rest of the numbers as well because that is a wonderful question. But I'm glad that we finished on that because I feel like it's been a half-decent episode. And thank you very much for joining me for chatting Hibs the last hour and a bit. 
Thanks for having me, and apologies again for my three-week hiatus. This will be me now, Mr. Consistency, from now on. Well, you'll be Mr. Consistent, and I'll be probably Mr. Inconsistent, because you chances of me coming on after Dusseldorf next weekend, um, slim, and then the wedding weekend after, slim, and then the week after that, I'll be in uh, I'll be in Turkey for my honeymoon, so mm. I'll definitely not be on. Very nice few weeks you've got planned there, Mr. McClendo. Yeah, it's one of these ones that it's going to come in really quick and then I'm going to look back and I'm going to be like, I am now completely and utterly depressed and don't know what to do in my life. Well, Ramblers, please take the time to wish Liam the best of luck for one, his stag do, because he will absolutely need it, and two, <laughs> for tying the knot the following weekend. Well, thanks very much and uh, we'll catch you next time. See you later. Bye-bye. Let's get ready to rumble.